The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome to the Midweek Mailbag on this wonderful National Championship Tuesday morning. My name is Jeremy Reisman. I am the producer over at Pride of Detroit. You can find me at Detroit Online on Twitter. With me, as always, sharing in the Wolverine glory is the machine, is managing editor of pride of detroit is at eric schlitt on twitter eric schlitt is here how we doing buddy hey buddy it's uh it's a good day to be a uh a michigan wolverine graduate here right That's lots right. of uh lots of fun feelings got my maze on and uh i'm ready to go it's close enough close enough close enough for, for the <laughs> podcast it's really it's really more of an orange, but we don't need to get into it. No, no, no. It's like a, I'd say closer to mustard, but still, it's 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 about it's maize. We'll call it maize. We'll call I it like maize. it. But you know what? We are not here to talk about college football. As exciting as that game was last night, we have what, in my opinion, is a bigger game for local sports. Mm. I'm sure some people would disagree, but Detroit Lions have themselves a playoff game, a home playoff game against. Matthew Stafford and the Los Angeles Rams coming up this Sunday night. We will be there. We'll be covering it head to toe, back to front, all of those things. But today we are answering your Detroit Lions questions, and we're pretty much sticking to just that game. Um, There are other things going on, like coaching searches, and some people might want to talk a little bit about what happened against the Vikings. But we are pushing forward with just this game in mind because it's huge. It's uh, there's a lot of stakes. It's a lot of fun. There could be some magical things on the way. And so let's get into it. We're going to start with a very generic question here from Big BK Shaky on Twitter, Lions Blood 20. Asks, how would you game plan both offensively and defensively versus the Rams? I, for me, I, I would prepare for a shootout, but I would I would focus on what I focused on all season, and that is to can try, and, try and control the trenches, right? Um, one of the big advantages that you're going to have in this game is uh your ability to run and then stop the run now they have a good run d they have a good run team uh and they have a good passing team their offense is good in both in both aspects but their ability to stop the run is uh, i think one of their weaker parts and so that's where i would start i would start by saying let's get after them on the ground and let's try and refocus our energy and show why we are the number one run defense in DVOA. Uh, and I, that's it starts in the trenches, but I don't, like I said, be prepared to sling it if I need to, but you win this game by winning uh, 
with the big hog mollies up front. Yeah, no, and and defensively, I'm I'm like uh, really both teams are going to try to do the same thing offensively, which is what they've been doing yeah. all year. Being extremely balanced offense, hit on the play action, get your deep shots in here and there. But um, both teams have been so good and so balanced um, that. But the 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 difference to me is that the you you mentioned there the Lions have the number one run defense for the entire season um, in DVOA. They have they have the ability to make a quarterback an offense one dimensional. The Rams are okay at run defense. They're, they've been improving as the season goes on, but they aren't elite like the Lions are. So that's that's issue number one. Like if you can make the Rams one dimensional and it's not going to be easy. This is a good Rams rushing attack. Kyron Williams is having a heck of a year. But if you can do that, well, then suddenly you can get Matthew Stafford into, into third and longs. Suddenly you can pin your ears back a little bit. And as as much as Matthew Stafford is, is the boogeyman right now and, and, and scary, especially against this pass defense, the one thing he can't do is run on you a bunch. He'll do it every now and then, and he can manage the pocket kind of okay, but he's mostly a mobile quarterback. And if you put pressure in his face, he is going to get sacked. And the Lions have been very good at really combining those two things, stopping the run and then getting pressure over the past month. Now, they're still giving up the deep shots, but I think it's a trade-off that the Lions have been okay taking. Sure, rack up 400 yards against us, but we're still going to force four, five, six punts in this game. We're still going to get an interception or two. We're going to get our defense off the field on these possessions. And if if you hit on a 40-yard touchdown here or there, that's fine because we're we're going to limit you to punts and field goals the rest of the game. And that's how they've been winning down the stretch here. And I think that's the the game plan defensively against the Rams that, that can work. Yeah, I think turnovers is going to be a key because... Stafford is still the the gunslinger that he's always been, and he's willing to take shots because he thinks he, he thinks and knows he has the arm strength to to fit that ball into spots that most people can't, and so he's willing to take those risks. Lions have forced eight turnovers in the last three games, and they've been very opportunistic. And of course, the caveat on that is that Nick Mullins threw six of them, yep. uh, <laughs> right? But they're still in the right place at the right time, making plays on the ball when they need to, they could easily just let those balls fall to the ground and then it is what it is, but you know, you're capitalizing on it and and there will be opportunities because as, as good as Stafford is, we all have seen him. He will throw balls that are 50, 50 balls and he'll, cause he trusts his receivers are going to go get it. And the lions have to be, you know, opportunistic. And I would say the other thing that works relatively in their favor is the fact that they play a lot of zone, right? And mm-hmm. that is not, that's not to Matthew Stafford's strength. He is much more like, if, if my wide receiver is in on one and one, I'm going to put it exactly where it needs to be and yeah. let my receiver make a play, like you just said. We all remember there, there were frustrating amount of times when he was in Detroit where he just did not see a linebacker. He just completely read the defense wrong. Guy stepped in front of it and picked him off. That, I think, plays to the line strength. Even though Matthew Stafford has been pretty darn protective of the ball as of late, if there's one kind of defense that I think, in general, he struggles against, it's it's zone over man. And so that's what the Lions like to do right now, and that's something that I think could tip the scales in their favor, If it even if it just means one interception in this game. that That could be the difference. Yeah, he throws um he throws about one a game, right? Isn't that uh 
or is it just that not just giveaways in general but yeah. um but so they're pretty low in giving the ball away but they don't take the ball away either they're not very they are not yeah. very opportunistic on defense they're um they're averaging less than a takeaway a game which is like 30th in the league so if you're careful with the ball and uh you can take advantage that's a that's a huge huge you know opportunity for the lions to uh to you know, gain an advantage on him. All right. Well, let's move a little bit more to the offset offensive side of the ball. Uh, Jason Krolik uh, on Twitter asks, will the Lions be able to run the ball against the Rams? I think so. I mean, the Rams are good and they're really good in the middle of their defensive line. Right. And, and it's not just Aaron Donald. It's, um, it's the guys they're that they rookie. rotate in. It's, it's the, yeah, the rookies playing well as, um, or am I blanking on his name? Uh, Kobe Turner, right? That's right. Yep. Yeah. He's, he's playing well. And so, they're good, but their edges are not. And so it just changes the type of run game that you're going to do instead of trying to be um, more gap oriented, like we've seen them trying to be the last couple of weeks. It, it's more outside zone. Um, and when they run outside zone, uh, that's a lot of Jameer Gibbs. That's a lot. And it's a lot of speed opportunities, I guess, for the Lions. So. I'm, I'm ex- the nice thing is, is this, this offensive line can do both, right? The, yeah. That's what makes them so efficient and so effective. And that's why they are the fourth run offense in DVOA, right? Because they can look at what you do best and then they can run a blocking scheme that puts you in a bad position. And so I think the running game has been a little subdued last couple of weeks. They've just yeah. been more passive. I think in general, their approach was passive last week. Um, even though they scored 30 pence, 30 points against the top 10 Vikings defense, right? They still seemed like they were very uh, passive uh, up front. Um, the blitzing I'm sure was part of that. Um, yeah. But yeah, I do think there's opportunities because of their ability to schematically attack the Rams front. Yeah, I mean, and if you look at the past two weeks, I mean, you, you went a, a, up against a really good and fast Cowboys defense. And, and you know, for as much as Vikings defense has struggled in the past couple of weeks, they're still a top 10 unit who who regularly stops the run pretty well. So those are two tough opponents and the Lions weren't like completely shut out of the run game in either of those games. They had over 100 against the, the Cowboys. They just had too many negative plays. And then against the Vikings, it was just like three yards and that's about it on, on, on a lot of those runs. They didn't really have a breakout run. In that game. And so this is a much easier opponent. You're, you're right that they have playmakers right up the middle of that defense. So, yeah. um, you know, this will be an important game for for the guards and, and, and the center. Um, but in general, I think this this is a favorable matchup for the Lions to run the ball. And we know we know they're going to. Um, mm-hmm. It's 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 essentially their identity. And and I don't know, like I'm not that fearful of this linebacking core. If If, you know, if one of the backs gets to the second level. That's going to be huge because I, I I think they can make those guys miss. I don't think anyone in their secondary is particularly strong against the run either. So um, I, I like that matchup there. I think I think the Lions will be able to grind it out there. And if they want to slow the pace of the game here and they don't want Matthew Stafford to be chucking it up 40 times a game, that is an opportunity to do so and and really play the game that they want to really on both sides of the ball if they're able to do that. All right. Back to the defense here, because understandably so, we're getting a lot of questions about basically the Rams passing attack versus the Lions secondary, which obviously has a lot of issues right now in terms of sure. um, being able to stop outside receivers. So this question comes from Treff. 
asks, do you expect the Lions to have an easier time against the smaller body slot receivers, smaller body and slot receivers like Puka Nakua, Cooper Cup, compared to the big body receivers like JJ, um, Justin Jefferson, that is, CeeDee Lamb, um, Allen, and, and, and so forth? No, I, I think the thing that's been problematic for Detroit, I mean, big receivers are definitely part of it, but it's just been receivers that can run routes that can get them into space and open. And that's what the Rams do. Right. Yeah. And, and so those are going to be, they're going to be problematic. Like this is the biggest obstacle in front of Detroit by far yep. is the, the passing attack of the Rams versus the the secondary of Detroit. And, and from a coverage standpoint, you're going to play zone. You're going to try and pass guys off. You're going to try and pull, uh, get as many. You're probably going to get a lot of defensive backs out there. I, you know, they talked about getting three safety sets uh, last week against the Vikings, and they didn't really do it. Yeah. I do think this is an opportunity for three safety sets. You could see, you could see a lot of cover three with the safeties, and then man with the uh, outside corners. There's lots of variety of what you can do. The key is going to be pressure. How much pressure can they get? Do you have to scheme pressure open by blitzing? Uh, can Aiden Hutchinson continue to just get it done? I mean, like he's one of only like uh, four guys in uh, since PFF's been tracking pressures to get to break the century mark, right? Something like that. There was only yeah. like four guys that had done it previously or something, yeah. or a couple of guys. Um, he's got 11 and a half sacks. Like he's he's been terrific and he's going to have, you know, he's going to get some good matchups, right? Like he's, he's probably going to go against Havenstein, which is, you know, a really good right tackle, but if they're creative and they find ways to try and like get him matchup opportunities, that pressure is going to shorten the time that Stafford has to throw be short in the time. It shortens the windows and it just makes a little, everything easier. So I think from a coverage standpoint, it's a real problem. Uh, and you're going to, and if you, but if you can find pressure, it makes everything easier. Yeah, no question. I mean, I, I just look at a guy like Jordan Addison, right? He's a pretty small body receiver and, you know, there, there didn't seem like there was a, a guy who could cover him. And so the, the, I think the key is, like you said, pressure, particularly when the Lions send pressure, because they're going to send pressure. That has been kind of the key to unlocking how they've yes. been so, so good, you know, quote unquote good over the past month is a lot like turning up the aggression to 11 is making your safeties part of your blitz packaging. I mean, if he yes. has been huge, um, he, you know, I, I think if he got it even overlooked a little bit in the, in the Vikings game, because the interception to Cam Sutton was all because of Fatou Milifan was blitzing on that play, got right in uh, Mullins's face. And so when that happens, you have to be careful though, right? Because fourth and one against the Vikings is a perfect example. The lines huddled, you know, everyone in the box, they left Justin Jefferson one on one, and he beat um, uh, not Cleo Dorsey, the other one. Uh, Cam Sutton. No, no, no. Cam. Other guy. Oh. Uh, what? Why can't oh, I think of his name? Vildor. 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 Thank you. I, I, was, yeah, yeah. I was thinking opposite side of the field. No, Sorry. no yeah, Vildor. Um, <laughs> and so, like that, they're going to have to hang. They're going to have yeah. at at some point they are going to be on one on ones. At some point the lines are going to be in a zero blitz because that's how they're generating pressure. That's how they're freeing up Aiden Hutchinson. Um, it, it's part of their DNA right now in what is making them successful. So yeah, some of these guys are going to have to win on one one on ones. And do I feel very confident in it right now? Absolutely not. No, I don't. Um, but I think Aaron like this is a huge Aaron Glenn game. He needs to be able to disguise some of those blitzes. Sometimes drop 
guys into coverage that you probably don't want into coverage just to confuse Matthew Stafford and keep him kind of second guessing. Um, but yeah, this you, this is a really, really tough matchup for Detroit. It, it's just I mean, it's the Cowboys game to me. Like it's a Cowboys. It's a Cowboys game, except they can also run the ball. Like that's how difficult this matchup is for Detroit. And listen, Detroit played that game, played the Cowboys well. They held them to 20 yeah. points and really only to 17 points until the very end of the game. So there's hope. There's certainly mm-hmm. hope, but the Lions are going to have to find disruptive plays. They're going to have to get off the ball off the, the field on third downs, and they're gonna have to get home. It's it's kind of like the Cowboys game from a defensive standpoint as well, because they're tough up the middle, but they don't have a Micah Parsons guy. They don't right. have, um, I mean, Aaron Donald, the, the, it's different. No, but, but he's more like, I, I look at yeah. him more like Lawrence where he's like an inside out, you right. know, he's like yep. a quick first step interior pressure guy, 100%. but they don't have a Parsons, right? <clears throat> Excuse me. They, they just don't, they don't have the depth on defense that the Cowboys had. They're going to be strong in their two defensive tackles. They're going to be strong at their linebacker spot. Um, you know, where they're, um, uh, Jones is doing very Ernest Jones is doing really well for them this year. Yeah. But they're vulnerable on the corners, they're vulnerable at safety, they're vulnerable on the edges. And so there's opportunities uh to do what you did against Dallas, uh, but maybe potentially even better because you're not facing that level of of defense. Uh, but uh, yeah, offensively. You have to have a sim. I would agree with that. You have to have a similar game plan that you had uh, two weeks ago. Um, next one, kind of on the same topic. Um, Lions fan Oaxaca asks, uh, there's a lot of concern about cornerback play, especially in regards to number one receivers and a lot of praise for the Lions safety depth. But don't the safety share responsibility for this problem? Are they failing to provide over the top help for the corners? Well, there, there's times, right? And you're never really going to know for certain. Um, like, for example, the the touchdown that Cam Sutton was beat on, um, he pushed outside and then got into trail. And it sure looked like he was waiting for over-the-top help that didn't arrive. At the same time, he could have just been beaten and gotten in a bad spot. It, we don't really know it, what the play call is. So we're just... We're just ascertaining what we think might have happened, but but his body language, the way he approached that play, it sure looked like he was looking for over the top help. Now Sutton's going to get a ton of blame for that because he was basically playing underneath, uh, because he's the only one that was there. There, right. if there was a safety that was supposed to go over, they weren't anywhere where they needed to be, and but we're never going to know that, right? And so, yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's hard to tell. Uh, do the, I do think the safeties in coverage can be better. I think their creativity and flexibility is why they're getting so much love right now. Plus the safeties are the ones that are picking the balls off, right? right. It's, it's Kirby. It's, it's iffy. It's branch right now. It branches your hybrid, but still um, it's not your outside guys that are making corn, making interceptions. It's all of the interior players. And so I, I, I actually think they went, a little vanilla on their defensive scheming with the guys that they had available last week because they didn't want to show their cards for this weekend, especially with the the safety depth. I think there's some, there's some creative wrinkles that they may have just kind of tucked away for this week. Yeah. And I'm going to kind of smush another question here from chip at Butler KAB, who says the Rams run 11 personnel, almost hundred percent of the time. Any chance lines run, Defend with dime to get their best defensive backs on the field at once. And and you mentioned that already. Like that's certainly a possibility. 
the the only thing I would warn against that is because the Rams are such a good running team that that leaves you a little bit vulnerable up the middle. And the Lions linebackers have been so important to why they've been able to stop the run. And if you're trying to make the Rams one dimensional, taking a linebacker off the field is a risk. Now, Mm-hmm. Is is leaving Anzalone and and Jack Campbell out there for potential passing plays also a risk? You betcha, mm-hmm. it sure is. Um, yeah. Which makes them a very hard team to defend. This is why they're a number two, number three offense over the past two months. Um, but like, there is that give and take there where it's like, yeah, it would make sense in a in an ideal world to say, oh, you're spreading out three wide receivers. All right, let's go dime. But the the Rams run the ball as as much as anyone else in in the league. They they are not a team that you that you know you expect to that has like a high early down passing rate they 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 like to run the ball they are very much built in the same way that the lions are so um i i would warn against that strategy matching dime 100% of the time when they're when they're out in 11 personnel yeah the return of gardner johnson and Aline mhm give them that option that I sure. don't think they necessarily had before. Yeah. Um, and then, and if you, if you have a guy like Gardner Johnson and you drop him into the slot and you keep iffy and Kirby back and you drop Gardner Johnson in the slot and then you have branch in the other slot, Gardner Johnson and branch can essentially work like linebackers That's in true. a lot of ways because they're both yeah. very good run defenders. They're both aggressive. They both hit bigger than their bodies. And so, I'm very curious if they could install that defense that we just haven't seen yet because they got the, they have the bodies. They absolutely have the bodies. And I would rather see Brian branch on the field than Jack Campbell right now. And Jack's been playing great. Just plays, but probably plays best game of the year. Right. And Derek Barnes has been playing great against the run. And I, but I think you can go if I'm, if I'm Aaron Glenn, I'm considering a platoon between uh, Barnes and Campbell leaving Anzalone out there and dropping Kirby or dropping uh, CJ GJ and branch in the slot and then alternating who covers and who's the linebacker. And if they just stick to sides and they pass off with motion, whatever, those two guys are so good at being that. And we didn't even see Gardner Johnson really in the slot. Like that's honestly yeah. the fact that they didn't even try him makes me, th- it was, makes me wonder if they were disguising him at the same time. Maybe they just, they've really been focusing branch on the slot, 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 but he doesn't, the, the matchup against these like quick, fast receivers isn't always his best. Yeah. So I would love to see dime sets, and use Branch and CJGJ as, as third linebackers, essentially. And yeah, just box defenders. And, and get your best athletes out on the field and try and match that offense because they, I think they're both of those guys are good enough against the run that you can do it. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a good point. And obviously the answer isn't just do this 100% of the time, just do right, that 100% right, right, right. of the time. Like, but yeah, I think the lines would be wise because you're right. CJ Gardner-Johnson is an excellent run defender. And, and I mean, half the reason he got injured in that, Seahawks game was because of how aggressive he played in the box. And so, yeah, I mean, but I mean, he also led the league in interceptions last year. So he's, he's a good pass <laughs> defender too. So we can't, we can't forget the whole package that is CJ Gardner Johnson and the fact that he has strengths in, in both aspects of the game, but let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to answer more of your questions here about lions Rams 
NFC wild card edition Sunday night whatever other qualifiers you want to throw in there exciting (laughs) times ahead we will be right back on the midweek mailbag Back here on the midweek mailbag, closing out the show here as we get ready for Lions Rams wild card weekend. Let's get back into the questions here. This is another one coming from Twitter. And if you always want to send us a question, you can always send it to us at any time. Hashtag it ask POD and we'll see it a lot easier. Uh, anyways, Johnny on Twitter at aces six, seven, two says, do you think Gibbs is Gibbs is more involved in the receiving game with the Laporta injury specifically on third downs. He's been kind of quiet in that regard in the past few weeks. Yeah, I think they'll definitely explore all their opportunities. Um, It makes a lot of sense to get Gibbs more involved. It makes sense to throw a target or two towards Sam uh, towards uh, James Mitchell. Uh, Mm -hmm. If Brock Wright comes back, maybe get him a, a, a target and then you know, they, they're creative in getting their receivers into the slot. And I'd like to see, you know, how they utilize that as well. Um, I think the biggest impact from Laporta being gone is going to be just his ability to do multiple things in one package, right? Yeah. And that's not something that they can replace one for one. From a target sharing standpoint, though, I do think they have they still have plenty of options in which they can have the direction in which they can go. I do I do find Gibbs's involvement in the passing game to be kind of a fascinating storyline this season because I think we all thought it was going to be a little bit more of an impact this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, even if you look yeah. at the usage early in the season, he had two catches, seven catches, one catch, four catches, nine catches through his first five games. That takes you through the Baltimore game because he obviously missed a few in between there. But like he had a seven catch game in there. He had a nine catch game in there. The last yeah. six weeks. One, three, two, four, one, zero. It's just not been part of their game plan. And that's a little surprising to me. And and some of it is it's getting shut down. Some of it is Sam Laporta, I think, occupying the middle of the field and, and getting open and, and being a guy that they trust. Some of it is, I mean, I think we also have to be a little bit honest with ourselves. Gibbs has dropped a few this year. He hasn't yes. had the greatest hands. Um so maybe they don't view it as a necessary strength of his game, considering he's also been very good on the ground. They've, mm-hmm. I mean, the, the the plan is just to get that guy the ball in open space. And they're still doing yes. that through the run game. But it is interesting to me that that he hasn't had that as much of an impact in the passing game. And and I think that is kind of a perceptive idea that that maybe if Sam Laporta misses this game, that maybe it does open up the opportunity for a little bit more Gibbs out wide. Yeah, if you look at his targets, his targets are typical, or his touches, I guess I should say. His yeah. touches are typically between like 15 and 18 type range, and the and they've been leaning on him in the run game. And, and so I, I I think that usage in the run game has definitely impacted how much they want to use him in other avenues. And like you said, they've, they've had plenty of other options uh, in the slot and in the flats that they've, that they've been leaning on as well. Yeah. I would like to see him get more involved, though. I think I think that is yeah. you, we know you love your Texas route. Maybe we get a Texas oh, route this week. Let's do it. Sign <laughs> me up. Sign me up. 
Uh, next question here comes from our live audience here on Twitch. Asks, uh, from Arnick says, what's the biggest matchup advantage you see each team having on Sunday? Um, I think we can probably take the Rams' advantage right off the board because we all know that their passing game against the Lions' pass defense is maybe the only, the, the biggest, certainly the biggest, and maybe the only real worry where the, the edge doesn't tilt in Detroit's favor. Um, is there is there any other part of the game you are concerned about that the Rams might have the advantage other than that major obvious one? No, I don't think the Ram. I think that yeah, that that's very obvious that they match up the Rams match up better in that avenue. Like, yes, as clear as day that that's the biggest one. The rest of them though, I give Detroit a slight advantage pretty much everywhere else. Hmm. Um, Lions run defense versus the Rams runs offense. I give a slight advantage to the, to the Lions and then, you know, flip the field. It's the same way running offense. I give the advantage to the Lions and I think Lions passing offense is better than their past defense. And so while the focus is going to be on, um, you know, winning the trenches, I do think there's opportunity, though, to to win through the air against this team. Mm-hmm. Um and, and that actually might be one of their biggest advantages. Um, if we're like trying to say what's, I think they're all like really like good advantages. You're going to have a lot of little advantages, but if the one that's maybe a little bit better is, I don't know if they have an answer for Amon Ra. Yeah, I really don't. Um, and, and Goff's ability to connect with Amon Ra has been on fire lately. Amon Ra is highly motivated. Uh, you're going to see him as motivated as, you know, you as you know ever yeah um they use a sa- a third safety in the slot uh like a lot of teams are nowadays like the lions do right and those slots are uh, those slots tend to have trouble with amon ra type players and so i think the amon ra amon ra is their is the lions biggest advantage i'm gonna stay in the same vicinity there mm-hmm. and say that it's the Lions offensive line in terms of pass protection against the Rams defensive line. Obviously they have Aaron Donald. Obviously their young rookie defensive tackle is also playing really well. But aside from that, they do not have that good of a pass rush. I know those are two very big exceptions, but Aaron Donald isn't exactly what he has always been his entire career in terms of pressure percentage, in terms of overall sacks. This is a bottom 10 team in terms of pass rush. They also don't blitz an exorbitant amount which is something that you don't have to necessarily be afraid of. They're right in the middle of the pack in terms of blitz percentage. And we know that the Lions can pass protect. We know that they have a, a fantastic offensive line. And so you have Jared Goff plus time plus Amon Ra means he is going to find the open spot, whether it's man-to-man coverage, whether it's zone coverage, he is going to get open. There's no question about it. And and yeah. Goff plus time equals you're in for a world to hurt. Yeah, they're... They're 23rd in sack percentage or 30th in turnover percentage because because they're not turning the ball over either. So if you're not getting pressure, you're not getting sacks, and you're not turning the ball over, you're basically just asking for a quarterback with talent to beat you. And if you look at the the quarterbacks that they faced recently, they've been chewing up yards, right? Like Tyrod Taylor threw for over 300 yards against them. Uh, Derek Carr threw for over 300 yards against them, right? These and, And I mean, Tyrod's a backup, a backup to a backup at right. this point, right? And yeah. and he's and he's thrown for three hundred yards, and so they've they haven't faced a quarterback at Jared Goff's level, except for Lamar Jackson, and they lost to Lamar. Lamar put thirty seven up on them, 
Yeah. Right. And then like. 316 and three touchdowns. It's they're giving up 300 yards passing on almost a weekly basis. Unless you're unless they happen to be facing the third quarterback. Yep. And even in those situations, they've still given up a ton, a ton of yards. So I, I look at, like you said, time plus lack of pressure, plus, you know, uh, not getting turnovers. Th- this could be a, a massive day if they, if they get it going. And it, this is why I think a lot of people are looking at this saying this could be a shootout. Yep. This could be where both quarterbacks throw for over 350 yards type of game. You know what I mean? Like yep. it could be, yeah, it, it could get out of hand quick. Here's the thing is that I think the Lions are going, it, it, it's going to be against the Lions' nature to lean yes. into that. Oh yeah, certainly. And that's, they're still going to want to run. Yeah. They're, they are going to want to run. And listen, you have an opportunity to run against the team. I think they're better against the run than they are against the pass. And I get the I get the temptation to want to slow the game down, try to not have your your off your defense out there for for a long period of time. But at some point, I think the line lines are going to have to embrace that this is probably going to be a shootout. They are going yeah. to have to throw more on first and second down than they're comfortable with. They hate doing it. They don't like mm-hmm. doing it. But you can't give up possessions. You can't you can't get into third and sixes and more. You can't settle for two yard run, two yard run, third and third and six. And so I'd like to see them get a little, I mean, you don't have to abandon the run game. No one's asking you to do that, but just mix in a little bit more of those passes on first and second down, because you actually have one of the highest EPAs in the league. When you throw on first and second down, you just don't do it a lot in this game where I think it's going to be a high scoring game where I think your offensive line is going to protect Jared Goff and your sec and the Rams secondary is not going to give that many issues to your receiving core. I want to see them lean a little bit more into that passing game and embrace the fact that they're going to have to hang 30 on the Rams to win this ball game. Yeah, the Lions are fifth in time of possession because they're not they don't give up on the run. They 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 it's part of yeah. their offense. And and honestly, look, let's be honest. I don't think the Rams are going to give up on their run either because sure. the, the Rams have, have really leaned on their run quite a bit. Yep. I just don't think they're going to be as successful with their run against Detroit that, that they've, than they've been recently. And so they're they're both teams are going to want to run. Both teams yep. are going to want to control the trenches, but this game is probably this is probably one through the air. You know what I mean? Like, and I, yeah, I know. That's I, a scary I, I get, thought. That's a scary thought. It is, but if you can get to 30, That's the NFL today, if I look, this is a big number, but if you get to 30, you're going to win. Yeah. Unless it's 34 to 31. If the lions can get to 30, they're <laughs> okay. going to win. Okay. So in the 34, 31, they get the 34. That's what you're saying. Yes. Every time. <laughs> All right. Let's close out on this one uh, from Twitter. I thought this was a good question from at sarcasm to a fault. Love that name, by the way, says not to put negative energy out there, but should the Lions lose this game, would the season still be viewed as a collective success? Now, I think the phrasing of that question is very interesting. Would it still be viewed as a collective success or would I think it's a collective success? I think those are two different answers. 
Now, we talked about this a little bit in our break. Yeah. But there has there there's this national like um conceptualization of constantly moving the goalposts. Yeah. Right. And so the goalposts have been moved in Detroit. And we entered this season saying, man, they got out of if they can get to the playoffs, it's going to be good. And then it's throughout as the season has wore on, then it's, man, they got to win it. They got to win a playoff game because it's changed. It's moved. And now we're at a point where it's, if you don't win a playoff game, then it's potentially a failed season. When you step back and you look at where they started and what their goals were and what most people's goals for the Lions were, they've already accomplished it. They've already done what most people thought was their ceiling. And that's just getting to the playoffs. If they can take it a step further, even if they, even if they lose, this can still be a very successful season when you take a step back and appreciate what they've done, because this is something they haven't done. They've done something they haven't done in 30 years and won the division. Like to, to think that you could do something that you haven't done in 30 years and yet it still be considered a failure. I think is a misguided perspective. I think if you step back and you see what this team has done, it's already been a success. And and regardless of what, what happens. And uh, I don't think they view it that way, but I think the fan base should view it that way. Personally, I have a slightly different kind, mostly the same, but a slightly different twist on it because I'll disagree with one thing you said, which is the Lions have already accomplished what most people thought the ceiling was for this team. I would disagree that with that statement because I think the expectation, not just locally, nationally, was for this mm-hmm. team to win the division this year. That was the expectation. That wasn't the ceiling. That was the expectation. And so the Lions have met expectations. If that's enough for you, then you can't view this as a disappointment. I think, but I think there's also some people who say, well, if the expectation was to win the division, then the expectation was also to have a home playoff game and you should be expected to win your home playoff games. Which, it, I mean, that's fair, right? The Lions are favored too. They're three and a half point favorites at home. So if they don't meet that expectations, I think there is room for a little bit of disappointment. But here's what I want to, I want to make a bigger overall point. And the bigger overall point is that we don't need to view individual seasons as successes or failures. We don't need to pass fail this like each year is a college exam. Let's just scope out and see where the trajectory of this franchise is, because ultimately the goal is for this franchise to win a Super Bowl. And most people did not expect that to happen this year. So if that doesn't happen this year, that's not a disappointment. That is just a step towards getting to where you want to be. Lions took a step in there in year one. They drafted a couple guys who are centerpieces to the team. Next year, they started winning some football games. That was step two. Now they take another step. They win the division. Maybe they don't reach all the goals you wanted to in this particular year, but that's, I mean, step, step, step. They are taking step forwards. There, there has been no steps back since these guys took over. And so if you really, I mean, if you want to segment each season, go for it, but that's, I'm taking a larger scope of this team. I'm not saying this was a win or a loss or a pass or a failure because they are still heading in the right direction. And that is much more important than classifying each individual season as a win or a loss or a success or a failure. I don't care. I don't care if it was a success or a fail. It's been a lot of fun. I've had a lot of fun. Lines have made 
me entertained for four months out of the season. That to me is a win as a fan and, and a win as a team of this franchise that is headed a, a fan of this franchise that is headed in the right direction. So that, that to me is all that matters. If, if you want, if, if you want to play this game of success, failure, fine. But I, I, I honestly have no interest in that conversation because it doesn't matter. I, I definitely think there's going to be people that are going to be disappointed. I, I, I just hope there's as time passes, you can step back and see where they've come. Because like you, as you're pointing out to tear it down to the studs and be where you're at in year three is, uh, is good. And, and look, if the goal was to get a home, get a playoff game and they met that, that's success. You know what I mean? You accomplish your goals. How many, how many teams right now didn't come close to accomplishing their goals and they're blowing it up. There's sure. we're at six, seven, seven head coaches now, or teams looking for head coaches at this point or something like that. Right. I think it's six. Like, yeah. But yeah, it might be, it might be seven or yeah. I mean, it could even be eight by the end of this week. You never know. Right. And so not, there's a more teams than not don't accomplish their goals. So if you're hitting your goals, and you're trending in the right direction, that's a success for me. Okay. All right. I think we'll leave the conversation there. Guys, hopefully, you know, I'm just going to say, next week we'll be back with another midweek mailbag. Maybe it's a season perspective mailbag. Maybe it's a divisional round preview mailbag. But either way, we know our fans have been a success this year. Wow. Look at that. (laughs) We'll leave it there. (laughs) Guys, thank you for listening. Thank you to our live audience here on Twitch and YouTube. Thank you for all of you listening at home on our podcast feed. Don't forget, you know, I never tell you guys this. Don't forget to leave a review or give us five stars over on Spotify. We always appreciate the support there. We always like hearing from you, even though we don't read them necessarily out loud every time we do read them. So if you have something nice to say, if you have some constructive feedback, we'll read that as well. But until then, for Eric, I'm Jeremy. Thank you all for listening. Go Lions, and we'll see you next time. It's chaos. Be kind.